Welcome to Lab the Podcast. We create space for real conversations with real people whose lives and work give us a glimpse of the life and beauty of the gospel. We're live from Tampa, Florida at Buddy Brew on Kennedy. Can't wait for the conversation, so here we go. but that the gospel is the word made flesh. And that word took on flesh and it actually gives life. He gives life and he brings beauty from ashes. And in our cultural moment, the most powerful thing that we thought we could do is create space for stories that highlight the life and beauty of the gospel to be put on display. So really tonight, our job and every night that we come and do one of these podcasts is God just connects us with stories that we can look at and go, that is evidence of who God is and what he's doing in the world. And tonight, that's what tonight is about. And my next guest's story absolutely puts on display the life and beauty of the gospel. So without further ado, my next guest is a mom. She is a dear, dear friend to many of you. She is brave and she is kind. And I've gotten to know that in three short conversations that we've been together. She is absolutely remarkable. And I'll tell you, the thing that struck me the most is that she lights up every room that she is in. And not just every room, but last night we left the office kind of late. You were telling me part of your story, and we were cruising down the street outside, and every person who we passed had the same response to my next guest that I had. They leaned in, and their countenance brightened, and something about them changed just by coming in contact with my next guest, Susan Sharp. We made it. Thank you so much uh, for being here. And we, last night, we spent some time in your office. And as I was sitting in the office, I was looking past you and I was listening to everything that you were saying and trying to anchor every lesson that I thought you could help teach us. And there was so much about hope and peace and faith and grief, all of that was in there. And I was thinking, how are we gonna possibly get all that into 40 minutes? And as I was sitting there, behind you was your law degree on the wall and two certificates from the Supreme Court. And I was struck by just a weight that kind of settled in about who you are and your, just your capacity and the magnitude of your vocation and the weight of your firm all of these things kind of settled in, and I was caught between that Susan Sharp and the story of this little girl from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with a dad who's a police officer. And between those two, I thought the words that you said were, sometimes we can't see God when we try to strain and look into the future. It's hard to make sense of where he's at and what he's doing. But looking back over our shoulder, we can see it. So I wondered if you could kind of take us back to the Milwaukee story, to the early childhood, and introduce us to Susan Sharp before you became a highly respected lawyer here in Tampa. Well, I grew up in Milwaukee in a very uh, modest home and family. My father was a police officer and my mother was a banker, and it was the 50s and 60s. Um, a loving family. My father, who I was, um, is 
sort of who planted the first seeds in my, my life. And that was, I, I still can't believe this, in 1939, my father got a Bible for attending 53 Sundays, or 53 Sundays, 53 consecutive Sundays. One year and one week in the Presbyterian Church in 39, you got a Bible. You have to do an extra week when you will not cut it. And so I'm, I've chuckled because I've had this Bible and I've carried it with me well before I ever learned to read it. And I guess we'll get into that in a little bit. But it's something I cherish and I've taken it with me from Wisconsin to Iowa to Indiana to Texas and to Florida. And this, so you, growing up, faith was a part of your story, but it was a seed planted. I mean, the, your dad received this for attending a year and a week, and right. it was in your house, but you would not say the center of your family. No, as a matter of fact, I would have not earned a Bible because I didn't go to, sun, I didn't go to church growing up. Um, I went to, I had a very good relationship with my grandmother, and I could hardly wait. Whenever we went to visit her, I would go to her church. And then in the summertime, I would go to vacation Bible school and think that was the highlight of my whole year in summer, but really not knowing anything. Then when I was about uh, in fifth grade, I started going to a church in Wisconsin because my mother thought I needed to be confirmed. And so it went for a year so I could take confirmation classes and then didn't go to church after that. So that was the extent of my, my uh, church upbringing as a child. Were you dream, did you dream as a young girl about being a lawyer? Was that the childhood dream? Um, it was. I had, like many back then, we would watch Perry Mason. And, <laughs> and I wanted to become a lawyer. Just like that. Just yeah. like Perry Mason, I was going to make sure that right was made, or wrong was made right. And um, so I had dreamt of going to law school. And I had an aunt, uh, so fast forward, in, back in the 70s, women didn't, very few women did things like that. So um, I, she had told me, I had just gotten married, very young, told me, you know, don't go to law school because you don't want to do, outshine your husband. So you need to just not go to law school. You need to graduate, but then stay home and raise kids. Mm. And I thought that was wise advice. Everyone on the West Coast who listens to this just like fell over in their chair. <laughs> well, let me remind you, I'm 65. So this was back in the 70s. I've always been a very conservative person. I was not into women's lips. So yeah. th that was just my life. And as you were growing up, and then coming up out of college and early career, that dream of being a lawyer kind of didn't materialize right away. We'll get to how that came, but you became, you did go on and become a CPA? Right, that's kind of another God story too, real quick. I know we didn't talk about this one, but I knew I wanted to go to law school, and I also knew I didn't want to take a foreign language. So when I went into the counselor, she said, well, 
the only way you do it is go through liberal arts or business. And I said, well, great. So which one do you have to take a foreign language? Well, you don't in business school. I said, oh, that sounds good. <laughs> so she said, okay. She hands me the business catalog and says, now pick a major. I'm like, pick a major? I'm, just, I'm the first generation going to college. I don't know, but all right. So I opened up the book and I thought, First thing in there was the county. Well, that sounds good. No foreign language. So, and it turned out that was so well suited. God just, you know, placed that on my heart. Simple way, but He placed it on my heart, and it was so well suited for my personality and what I ended up doing with it. Well, it's at the time we talked a little bit about that tension of the cultural moment that you were in. Uh, and that tension to say, I want to be a, a, a mom, I want to have a family, and yet there's a part of me that has this tremendous capacity and aptitude, and I'm leaning into my career, and there you felt that pull, right. mm -hmm. and at a time thought, I don't know if I'll have kids, but that right. changed. That's right. Um, one of the things I had always said is, I wasn't going to get married when I got married. I wasn't <laughs> going to have kids when I had you know, I ended up having kids, and I was never, if I had kids, was never going to give up my career. So I only learned to quit saying never. <laughs> because I did all of those. Yeah, and we'll get into that. If you can, I would love to ask you, because I think part of what I have just benefited from in the short time of knowing you is this remarkable peace that you have and this countenance that you have despite adversity and trial, and that's something that I want to learn from. And the first place that that showed up uh, in, when you shared your story was that you said, I, I don't know that I'll ever have kids, but then chose to have a family and, and went in that direction, and your first daughter, Jennifer, was born. And this was kind of that first moment where you, you hit um, the weight of, of a different kind of storm. I wondered if you could just share with us Jennifer's birth and the impact that had in your story. Well, I had a beautiful little girl who was born in June, right after we had moved here from um, Texas. We moved to Tampa. And uh, she lived for three days and died um, and it was a very difficult time in my life. When, during that three-day period, I began to see how, the, how lost I really was. I went to St. Joe's to have her, and, um, which is a, was a Catholic hospital. And during all the struggles, I went into the chapel. So there was always that pull pulling me, but not knowing what that pull was. I got into the chapel, and I I'm, I'm, have to admit, I only prayer I could think of, because I hadn't gone to church in years, was now and lay me down to sleep. And I felt so lost, but not knowing why. And there was this wonderful, wonderful woman from a Episcopal church who had seen that I had signed up as an Episcopalian when we checked into the hospital. And she came to see me that very first day and 
course, this poor woman had no idea what she was walking into. It was a very, very stressful, trying time. And she came every single day for the three days I was in the hospital, and then also um, found out she, we lived in the same neighborhood, and she would come and visit me every day for weeks after Jennifer passed. And it was through her inviting me to go to St. John's Episcopal Church in Hyde Park that I started going to church. Well, again, I was lost. I went to St. John's and I thought, boy, I'm going to work really hard and that's how I'm going to get to heaven mm -hmm. so I can be with my sweet Jennifer. Mm -hmm. you know, and for 10 years, that's what I did. I went to church thinking, work really hard, you know, try to keep all of the um, God's commandments, and I too will meet her in heaven. Mm. Well, as we, as believers know, it doesn't work that way. And so, um, at some point, I had during that time, I had a very dear friend whose uh, her little girl became friends with my youngest child, and he and had a brother who was diagnosed with cancer, and unfortunately died from that cancer. But during that time, I got to observe her and all her grief and her, just the continence about her. Well, one of the things I used to do is babysit for her little boy while he was ill so she could go to BSF, Bible Study Fellowship, and little by little, and as I'm looking at a couple people out here, you're all gonna chuckle. I used to have friends that would go to Bible study, and I wanted to go in the worst way, but I thought you had to have an invitation, like you were in the junior league or something. <laughs> and so one of my sweet friends invited me, and I was thrilled. She was shocked that no one had ever invited me before. So I'll just do a pitch out there for anybody who's wondering, make sure you never know where you're gonna meet somebody. That you know, just a word of encouragement because you don't know how God's gonna work that in their lives. So she brought, so I went to BSF and during that time, I came to know the Lord. And it was to the outside world, I looked like this great Christian because I'd gone to Sunday or I'd gone to church more than 53 consecutive <laughs> Sundays, and it wasn't uh, until I was midway into my BSF study that I became a believer, and it was such an overwhelming gift to me. Hmm. I love I love how you described early on this idea that we can't we we don't necessarily see God in the moment. But looking back, I think it was Winky, you said, that yeah, was the yeah. woman that was, mm -hmm. came and visited you. And I want to pile on to that plug that, as we're listening tonight. That just to be aware, we have no idea what story we're walking into and how our lives are intersecting with someone else's life. And here this woman, Winky, mm -hmm. is serving in the hospital. She's just showing up using her gift and has no idea that she's about to walk into your three-day it, that, that, that storm that you are in the midst of. I think the other thing that struck me is just that yearning inside of you. Sometimes we don't know what to do, and so we look up. We go, I don't know, but instinctively there's something in us that, that does know to look. And the beauty of your prayer of just that was honest in that moment 
Um, I think all of us who are listening, some of us who are uh, in a space like that and we don't know what to do, thank you for that reminder that we don't have to have all the answers. You just take that step that's in front of you. Mm -hmm. And you did. And the invitation to BSF, I, I love this, that here you are desperately wanting to participate in something and feeling like there is a barrier to entry to that space. And how many of us are in that place where we are the doorway, we're, the, we're one invitation away from welcoming somebody into something. So thank you for that. Sorry to, I, I, that's my amen to what you were saying. So you go to BSF, life changes, and your faith becomes now, you, you're holding on to it, and it becomes something that's maturing in your life, and life changes. You are still not an attorney at this point. Law right. school, things like this, and we're going to get to that because this struck me. Um, could you maybe fast forward and take us into how that came about and how did you end up making the, the pivot from CPA to law school? Maybe catch us up through your story to that point. Okay. Um, after having lost Jennifer, as soon as I became pregnant with what was my next child, I immediately quit work and became uh, a stay-at-home mom. And I did that for uh, 15 years. I, as I tell my kids, I gave up my career and I never had any regrets. Being a mother to my children was one of the most wonderful things in my life. Anyway, so I gave up my career and um, then went through a divorce. And it was like, oh, what am I gonna do now, Lord? And so um, I was at that point a children's leader at BSF, and all the other <laughs> leaders were, we were all praying. And in um, going through that divorce, they were so great for praying with me and through that as to what was I going to do in getting through a divorce. This is where, when I first met you, we were at a party in a room full of attorneys, and so I felt very insecure and just not knowing what to do, so we sat together, and you were super kind to me. I asked you how you became an attorney and the story there, and you were not in your 20s when you went to law school. I will not talk about where you were in age-wise. Oh, come on. <laughs> you can do it. I will not do it. <laughs> but it was not in your 20s. This was, you had been a mom, stay-at-home mom now for 15 years. You had already had a career. Now you have been a mom. That story has traveled. So you are, you are now raising kids. And if you help me remember, was it thir were, you, were they 12? What were the ages at that moment? Uh, 14, uh, I'm sorry, 15, 12, and 9. 15, 12, and 9. I just want to set this context because this is where, when I met you, this is what first grabbed me about your story. 15, 12, and 9, life is absolutely upended. And you find yourself going, what am I going to do? How am I going to find my way forward? And you felt, you said you felt like God told you go to law school. I did. I mean, it was, you know, again, BSF was so great and God's word is so great because the, this wonderful group of women who were helping me get through it and we were all praying. And at that time, my daughter Allison was doing the, uh, this program on Fridays after school at St. John's. It was called Fantastic Friday and Fridays. And so I would drive uh, about four of the girls over to a friend's house from St. John's 
and they pulled them from different schools and the girls would all get together. And so I had dropped Allison off at my friend's house for this fantastic Friday. And I thought, well, now, you know, what am I gonna do? We've been praying about it, praying about it. Out of the clear blue, and I don't know how I knew this, back then you had to, uh, uh, if you were on the internet, you had to uh, put in www dot and then I thought, LSAT, I knew you had to do that for law, uh, had to take that for law school because of my ex-husband. And then I just put in .org, because I knew it wouldn't be an EDU for yeah. education. I knew it wasn't a com. And I thought, well, I bet it's a nonprofit thing, so I'm just going to put in .org. And what populates on my, on my computer? The LSAT uh, website. And hmm. guess what? That was the last day to sign up so I wouldn't have a late fee. Mm. So I signed up and that was the, when you got the results, that would be when uh, you would apply for that next semester. And so I did it. I didn't tell anybody I was doing it except for my dad. Mm. And, and it, it, oh, we're gonna jump that. into that. Yeah, I just okay. wanna make sure you're following along. The, the, when I said she is kind and she is brave, that's what I'm talking about. And for anybody who's listening in the room, you go, w w what is it that I should be doing next? Should I take that next step? Maybe my story is done being written. Here you are thinking about your kids, your family, your life, these dreams, and you type in www and you find that, and then you follow through and you take the test. That is no small thing. And there's so many of us who have typed that in and then we have shut it down. And we backed away from it. You didn't. That's tremendous. So yeah, but you, that's God. I mean, I, you know, it was one of those things. I applied to one law school. I thought I could trick my kids into moving to uh, Gainesville for a year because it would be cheaper. Now, that's the German in me. <laughs> um, and they looked at me like I had grown another head. So I thought, well, I can't tell them, and especially if I don't get into school. So, all right, I won't do it. So I just applied to Stetson. And you told your, you did tell your dad. I did tell my and dad. And your dad was, his, you are close to your dad. You and your dad have a great relationship, but he kind of has a big question. He, he throws that back at you, as a dad would do, and asks, what was his question? The, my dad said, well, honey, if you get in, how are you going to pay for it? And then, of course, he had some words to say about my former husband. I said, Daddy, I'm not going to worry about it. God's got a bigger checkbook than anybody. If I'm supposed to go, it'll work out. And um, So you leaned in. I, I, well, I did. And you know what? My dad passed away four days later of no... It was beautiful. My dad died on the 4th of July in 2000, and my dad was very much a patriotic man, and I was so grateful he went home on the 4th of July. My dad was a heart transplant recipient and had started to reject his heart, so it was beautiful that he went on the 4th of July. And I didn't grow up in a family with much money, but the amount of money my dad left for my brother and I to share was enough for to put me through law school. And that was God's checkbook. 
I feel like we are climbing with you as you are making this journey and we're cheering in the story alongside you and the wind is getting more and more fierce at all these little turns and yet you just keep walking one step after the other step. And this incredible gift that your dad gives you opens the door to law school. And that's a two and a half year journey as a single mom. And as you told me the story, you would get up in the morning and study and then the kids get the kids off. I have four kids as well and, a con and an amazing wife. And I know what it's like to get out of the house just like that with two of us working hard and no law school. You're doing law school studying, getting the kids out the door. You would take them to uh, their school. Then you would go to school, come back. What were your nights like? There's, this is a two and a half year period. Well, it was, we, it was fun. It was sort of like, um, you know, we had study hall. All right, I made dinner. I said, no TV, we're having study hall. So the kids would study from seven to nine. They, then they would go to bed, do whatever. And, and then I would study for a couple more hours and get up the next morning at five, study for a couple more hours, then make get the kids up for breakfast and then get them to their various uh, School all, at that time, all three of them were at three different schools. Get them to school and um, drive just, over to just Stockton. Tampa traffic to three different schools. You know what I mean? You have three different schools. Yeah, three different schools. You are across town five in the morning. I know what it's like when I when the kids finally are in bed in bed, and then there's the you know they're in there and then they come back out a few times and then they finally go in there and you just put the hand and you're like good night. Well, but it wasn't. And you for, go back to study. But it wasn't for all the two and a half years because in the interim, then Wayne gets a driver's license and she can drive. So I'm not that great. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> but you finish. You you wrap that up and you say, "I am not gonna walk." Right. What what, what was the hesitancy to stepping into that space? I mean, this is childhood dream, opportunity, and now you've done it. Well, I just felt. I, I don't like attention drawing me, and I just felt kind of foolish. Here I am, you know, uh, 50 or 49 years old, getting ready to graduate with all these 22-year-olds. I was like, no. Mm. She said it, so I didn't say it, but 49 years old, raising kids, single mom, three different schools, goes through law school. We're cheering. So you do decide to walk, right? I do walk. Are you glad you did? I am because the whole time I'm walking, I'm thinking, Daddy, thank you for this. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So out of law school then, you have made this tremendous accomplishment and you need a job and an opportunity opens up and you have dreamt, you have a lane that you're hoping to go, you had a dream as to where, how you wanted to practice law but a door opened up and you took it. Tell us about how you found your way to your current spot. Well, this is kind of going back and it's how you just see how God puts different people in your path. That's why I say it's always sort of looking back over and you just see how great God is, how he's worked everything out for you. My daughter Allison became friends with this little girl 
And it just so happened that the father, Rob Williams, I'm going to put that out to for all the Victor Rydell people, mm -hmm. worked at Victor Rydell. I had never heard of that law firm. I wasn't even a lawyer. I wasn't even thinking about it. But I was so impressed because he had all these wonderful things to say about the firm. And it just, the name just stuck with me. D didn't know anything about it. Now, fast forward, I'm in law school. A friend of mine said, you know, well, if you don't like tax, have you considered bankruptcy with your business background? And so I hadn't, but I thought, gee, that makes a lot of sense. And um, so I kind of pursued that possibility. And when, when I, with my first job, I had a friend um, who was, you know, who's here who had kind of introduced me to different uh, people and had suggested that I look at Stricter Rydell, and I'd heard that name before. And um, out of the clear blue, Harley Rydell gives me a call. He's found me on the Florida web page or Florida bar page and, and reached out and called and said, would you be interested in coming to speak to us? And I did. And I was great, they hired me. And at that point, I needed to be in a place that was filled with godly men because my experience had been where I had not seen godly men. Hmm. And um, from Harley to Don to Scott, I, I just saw all these godly men and that's where I knew I would feel right and it's been a great fit for me. 15 years, right? Mm -hmm. 15, 15 years. wonderful years. Thanks for putting up with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're, you're, in, you're so right. You had been practicing law for three months when you got that call, correct? Right. Mm -hmm. So three months into her legal career, she gets a call and is brought into a firm that is not only the discipline in, that you want to practice, but it's exactly in an environment that you had been praying for and needing. And your firm today is not only a prestigious law firm, but it is a beautiful um, community. And there's something about it that's different in a light about those, those people and that team that you can feel when you walk through the door and you've been there. You're a part of that story yeah. for 15 years. It's a great firm, great people. Yeah. Well, it's, when, I, when we were talking at first, I thought that story alone, the story of in your 40s facing, leaning into that wind and choosing to go to law school and all that you had to overcome, that's a story in and of itself. The way that you navigated the loss of a child, which is something that very few of us can say that we've had to walk that road and those of us who have, we know that that unique pain those stories could be, we could go on for days. As you are practicing law, partway in, and, and we won't go too far down the road about um, the, the struggle you're facing with your health, but you are encountering a physical challenge now that you learned about, that you are also gonna not just practice law and be a mom and raise these kids, but now you are gonna have to fight a battle with your health as well. And that came along the way. How did you, did that set you back when you learned that there was going to be another weight that you were going to be carrying? Or how did you navigate that? I, 
I thought about a lot since we met, and again, um, I met it with, I wasn't scared, I wasn't, um, it's looking over my shoulder and knowing God keeps every one of his promises, and I wasn't going to worry about it, just like I knew God had an unlimited checkbook for me to go to law school. He's going to take care of me, and he's surrounded me by so many wonderful people, and I'm not afraid. Yeah. Have you struggled along the way with, with doubt, or have you had moments where you have had to kind of buffet against that fear or doubt? And if so, how did you navigate those times? Uh, prayer. Just simply praying and just knowing that I'm loved and he's got a perfect plan for me and he made me the way he did and I'm just very, I'm just going to wait to see how it all falls, you know, fall in place. I'm just. Your life of prayer matured, it changed. And I wonder if we can go there for just a moment because your original kind of memory of your life of prayer was being in this chapel at a hospital and not knowing, not having any language for prayer except for now I lay me down to sleep. And that was the prayer. And that season of loss and grief, that's what you knew to say and, and that was it. Fast forward now to the moment where you said my, my prayer was different. Well, every aspect is, is so different now. I mean, you know, I have a song particular psalm that I look to whenever I feel anxious or worried and I and then it just is a very calming effect um, when I feel if I ever feel anxious all I do is engross you know engulf myself in his word and it's very calming um, and I look at how many blessings I've had and no matter what I mean when I first was in a wheelchair I would come to work and I saw this homeless person in a wheelchair and he didn't have this fancy fancy one that I have. And I thought, how lucky am I? That poor man, I mean, I'd see him every day coming in. That poor man, he doesn't have a job to go to, a roof over his head. I'm guessing no family that he can reach out to, no friends, no church home. Nothing. I had so many more things, and I was in such a better place than he, you know, at least I thought I was for sure in a better place, and how lucky was I? So those are all provisions that God did for me. Hmm. So I don't worry about that stuff. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. I do lose my temper. <laughs> <laughs> but you honestly said, I don't worry. I really don't. I don't have any worries. Mm -mm. I have none. Yeah. It's remarkable to think that there, God provides what we need. And we, we can't understand it, but there's this peace that passes understanding or surpasses understanding. And you had another moment uh, in your story that we got to in, in our second conversation that was another one of those moments where you had to depend on God. And this time you felt like you were much closer to him. And I wondered if you could talk about in January, three years ago. Um, uh, three years ago, I had my beautiful daughter, Allison, was killed in a car accident. It was devastating. 
but this time I knew how to pray. I had so many people lifting me up, and it was just like being wrapped in God's arms, thinking, you know, how many things um, for how he had just worked so many things in my life and gave me a piece about it that I would know that someday I would be reunited with my daughter in heaven. And it wasn't through anything I was doing. It was a very different type of grieving process for me than it was when, Al, uh, when Jennifer died, when I didn't know the Lord. And um, I wonder if you can help us, for those of us who are still trying to find our way through grief, or we are anticipating that, like we're dealing with the, the loss of a family member or um, trying to make sense of loss and grief, what encouragement can you give us from your perspective? That while I had 27 beautiful years with my little girl here on earth, I'm gonna have eternity with her. That perspective that transcends the moment, it, I hear you saying it infuses these moments with hope of something far greater. Today, what are you praying for? When you pray, what do you pray for? I have a huge long prayer list. So could you kind Episode of be a, two. <laughs> could you be a little more specific? <laughs> because some days I don't make it through my list. I think what I'm sitting here thinking is I just want to take away wisdom. And with all you have seen and with the moments that you have depended on God and trusted God, um, it changes, so much about your perspective has changed, and I just wonder, sometimes I feel like I ask amiss, you know, and I think that's what I'm asking is, help me learn to pray. Well, one of the things I say that I do is I pray, I used to pray that I would have another mountaintop experience. Um, I saw Patsy here, and reminded me of a mountaintop experience she and I had when we were praying when I was going through my divorce. And so sometimes I used to feel like, well, gosh, I'm not having that mountaintop experience with the Lord. Have I fallen out of favor with him or whatever? And I, I know I haven't. I know I'm close. I hear him. And I think, you know, Susan, quit praying for that mountaintop experience. Your whole life has been a mountaintop experience. Mm -hmm. As a young dad, um, you just everybody who's in the room is watching me get to be so selfish with learning all these things, but I'm hoping it's benefiting you too. But as a young dad, um, help me. How can I be um, a stronger husband and a stronger dad from your perspective? Love your wife. The greatest gift you can give your children is to love their mother and give her some time where you can actually nurture her and meet her needs, where she doesn't feel like she's the washerwoman, the cook, the carpool driver, the whatever. Just take care of, meet, try to meet some needs for her, give her some time. Love it. 
you're still practicing law. You still go to work. We met in your office the other day. And what are, do you have habits or practices that you have found, have, they keep you oriented uh, and strong and refreshed in your spirit? What are your daily habits or practices uh, that have helped you stay sharp and lean into not only life, but your career? Well, I have a great firm, so let me, I'm very lucky. I have a, a handicap, uh, I have an illness that I'm, um, it's, not, it's not getting any better, it's only getting worse. And my firm has been great to help me with all my physical challenges so I can still keep practicing. And um, I've obviously, um, I go in, I do my job, I can't mingle around the office, so my billable hours are good. <laughs> I saw Harley tonight. He said, I hope your work is all done, otherwise yeah. you're going back to Yeah, if he sees me out of my office in my wheelchair, he's like, come on, Susan, get back to work. Before we run out of time, I want to just ask you, a question about friendship, because this whole room tonight is packed with people who love you, and you have left a mark on my life in a short amount of time, and I know so many people in this room. Um, how can we love more? I think you have been, you have given a lot of love, and now you're in a place where, where we want to love you back. Teach us something about being a good friend. What does that mean, and how has over the years, your experience where people have leaned in for you. How can we be better friends? Oh gosh, I look around this room and I think, I am so blessed with so many wonderful friends. You know, I mean, they call me and say, can we bring you lunch? You know, and sometimes I just have to say no because I have to, you know, every single night I can't party. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, they help me with things around the house. They help me with meals. I mean, oh boy, these honey-do lists, they take care of every one of them. I love it. Well, you have loved well, and I think that's why so many people are connected to you and to just who you are and so willing to pour love back in. I think what I have found in the short time knowing Susan is that we could look in any direction of your life and there is a treasure there. I mean, any chapter, we could flip a page to it and there would be something to learn. And so thank you for sharing time with us tonight. And I just got the high sign from Jerome, so I wish we could oh, keep going Jerome. on. Yeah. Um, but your, your life, without a shadow of a doubt, has left a mark on all of ours. And tonight now that has done a job for so many people who will listen to this story and for that, we just want to celebrate who you are and God's faithfulness in your life. Without a doubt, here in the city, you are a source of life and beauty that we all see, and it's remarkable. Would you do me a favor and just celebrate and say thank you to Susan Sharp? Thanks.